I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of tears. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello, and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt Brown. Hello, and Stephen Murray. Hello. Stephen Murray, you are a senior lecturer in film and television at Teesside University. And this whole podcast was born out of your brain box, wasn't it? Yeah, because I've watched most of these films. At times when I was watching these films, I I used to think I was wasting my life. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, (laughs) through a lecture cycle on the the importance of science fiction films, this was born. And I suddenly realised, no. No, I haven't spent my youth in the dark, no. wasting it. Yeah, you're now recording the wasting of your life. Yeah, I am. Poster- posterity. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of this podcast is that we are taking a look back at all of the robots in films and television between the years 1927 and 1977. So oh. season six is fast approaching. First episode will be coming out very soon. Uh, So we thought we'd take a little look back at some of the robots that we looked at in season five. All the robots that we rated anyway, we're going to have a look at. So all of the robots that existed within those 50 years between 27 and 77. And we were really looking at early 60s robots in season five. So there were some very interesting films, I thought, in season five. Um, starting off, I thought I thought the film that kicked the season off really set us up for a cracker, which was Sex Kittens Go to College. Wow. <laughs> which is sort of, I suppose, a robot sexploitation film, isn't it? I would, I, right up until the end, it wasn't. It was just a really terrible film. And then at the end, it was kind of jaw-dropping. Yeah. My jaw it's... dropped, and my God, if I'm shocked by it. <laughs> it's a It's a comedy. <laughs> And so it's it's re- it's sort of reminiscent of a Carry On film, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Um, but we, but unlike Carry On films, the, the, I, I suppose it is an American sensibility. There's no there's there's hardly any wordplay like there is in Carry On films. It's basically an awful lot of slapstick, Keystone yeah. Cops capering. Yeah, and a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and crucially, a monkey. Yeah. Oh. So the um, the robot that was in this film is a real-life robot called Electro. That's his real-life name. But uh, in the film, the robot is called Sam Thinko. Thinko is never wrong. And, and if you'd like to know more about it, then there's a, there's a really good cyborg uh, episode in Season 5 where we discuss Electro as a real-life robot, and also some other real-life robots as well that were knocking around in the 1930s, which is when Electro sort of like, that was the peak of his fame. But obviously, Sex Kittens Go to College marked <laughs> something of a low point. So it happens you... to everybody when they when they hit the heights. They've got to hit the lows, haven't they? They do. They do. What we do is we, we rate the robot at the end of each episode. Um, and the idea is, is that if the robot gets a mark of seven out of ten or more, then they are deemed not shit. Seven out of ten or less, and they are shit. So, Electro slash Sam Thinko in Sex Kittens Go to College. Can you remember what mark we gave him? 
I think we gave it a five, didn't we? I think it was sort of marginally... Was it lower? It ended up being the second lowest mark of the season. <laughs> he was given a three. So it was an, an inauspicious start. However, the film was quite fun to watch. And it's a good episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Then the next film was a film called First Spaceship on Venus, which is a really interesting film, East German, Polish production. And the robot in that is called Omega. Until I was listening back yesterday to all of these, I'd completely forgotten about Omega. Oh, he's like a proto R2-D2. Yeah. The film, though, is, I mean, it's a... It's definitely worth watching, isn't it? Oh yeah, completely. In fact, in fact, a lot of the the um, films that came out of East Germany and Russia at the time, they were so buoyed with enthusiasm for for space because they were they were rocking it. This film is so optimistic, and crucially, I think this film is important because we have the the first uh, person of color playing a space traveller in all of cinema in this film. Several? And yeah, absolutely. You're right. This predates Star Trek, doesn't it? Yep. And it felt like when we were watching it that that a lot of the a lot of the sort of optimistic joy of the early Star Trek series can be found within this film, I think. The joyousness of the film was balanced out by the uh, discussions on the proliferation of nuclear weapons on our own planet. Which yes. is completely cut out of the American version. So do you remember what, what we gave Amiga? No, oh, he was quite high. Did we give him about a six? We did give him a six. Yes. And then we moved oh. him up to a seven. Oh, is he in the Pantheon? He is. And and <laughs> I feel like we were I don't know, perhaps we were just caught up in the giddy optimism of first East German <laughs> optimism. Yeah. <laughs> But there we are. That's what happened. Uh, okay, so after first in, first spaceship on Venus, then we had Invasion of the Neptune Men, uh, which was a Japanese film. And I seem to remember that when we chatted about it, we said that essentially the film is the first twenty minutes of the film, and then the rest of it is just a lot, a lot of very boring padding. I put my I love Thunderbirds hat on and sat and quite enjoyed all the the uh, the, the, all the, the, the warring. I think the most interesting thing for me for this film is the depiction of atomic war, nuclear war. So the hydrogen bomb is mentioned in this, which is the next level up from the the atom bomb. Right. It's funny, isn't it, how in my life I've always just assumed that the H-bomb, the atom bomb and the neutron bomb were all exactly the same bombs. And it's only Ooh. through doing this podcast that I've learned that they're very, very different. Have you have you got a, a, a knowledge of yield now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there is a very stark, of several very stark scenes in this film. Essentially, it's like a kid's film. So yeah, it's quite it is. sort of light and frothy. And then with extraordinary sort of dark moments surrounding the, the dropping of the A-bomb in the, at the end of the war. Do you remember what what how we rated the robots in this film? Oh, I think we thought they were really sort of karate terrible robots, didn't we? Didn't we give them like <laughs> yeah, a three? No, it was we gave them a one. A one. A one. Yeah. So they are. Well, I was going to say they're the they're the they're the worst robots in the season. However, there is another robot that we'll come to in a bit, which um, was 
was we deemed unrateable. But oh. uh, there we go, you know. So Invasion of the Neptune Men is, I'd say, watch the first 20 minutes and then don't, don't worry about the rest of it. Although, if you if you only watch the first 20 minutes, you'll miss all of the extraordinary sort of dark stuff later on. Do you think you and Kenny's father could design a spaceship all by yourselves? Why, sure. A scientist like Dr. Tonaway can. Mr. DeBarney is his right arm. Isn't that so, sir? So the next robots that we rated came from the movie Creation of the Humanoids. Um, the robots were called clickers, but then we discovered as we watched it, there were robots called, there was a robot called the Kragus as well. <laughs> well, we didn't know he was a robot. Yeah, he didn't know. know he was a robot. I know. I know. If you haven't, if you haven't watched this film and you haven't listened to our podcast, go and watch it and then listen. Cause it is, it was the real, for me, it was the real surprise of, of the season. Actually, there were two films that were, that I absolutely loved. And this was this was one of them. Even though, like we said at the time, it's one of the worst films that's ever been made. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's in the Razzas top one hundred. Yeah, it's so dialogue heavy, and the dialogue is is so clunky. But for some reason, I just really liked it. The story is great. The story is is way way ahead of its time, yeah. and I think it's one of these things where they probably didn't really know what to do with it. I don't think they knew the implications of what they were talking about. Yeah, the 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 acting is is quite poor. The dialogue is really excruciating at times, but I just could not take my eyes off it. Uh, so, do you remember how we rated the robots in this? I think they were rated quite highly. They were. They, they, were, they were another one where they were given a six to start and then we bumped them up to a seven. Wow. God, what's wrong with us? I know. Of course the operation was a success. Or you wouldn't be here. After creation of the humanoids, we came to Doctor No, which was our, our first and probably only Bond film, I think. Yeah, there aren't any more robots um, in Bond films. And there was barely a robot in this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the robot in this film, Steve? It was his hands. Yeah, Doctor Knows which, hands and arms. Which in the original um in the original novel he's just got hooks. He's got a hook for hand. But not in this one. He's got these uh strange robotic prosthetics that can prosthetic. crush ornaments. But unfortunately, he didn't think to make them non slippy. And so they <laughs> no. they lead to his him being boiled alive. He got him Teflon hands. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided that these that the the robot in this film was unrateable because we we thought it's just the hands. So we didn't we didn't give them a rating. <laughs> so after Doctor No, we had the other standout film for me of the of this season, which is a Russian film called Planet of Storms. My favourite robot. With your favourite robot. Is your favourite robot so far of all the robots we've we've looked at? John, yes. Yeah. I, I love him. There's something I mean, about oh, it. He's a workhorse. He functions as a sci-fi robot. He plays music. He sacrifices himself. We did have a bit of a discussion on whether he did have free will. And then he comes back again in a Planet of the Prehistoric Women and gets worshipped as a god. He does. Yeah, he does. So we gave him a 7.5. Oh. So we've got three not-shit robots in season five. 
Omega from First Spaceship on Venus, the Clickers from Creation of the Humanoid, and uh, Robot John from Planet of Storms. Meaning that this so, is the most successful season in our in our podcasting history. Is this an indication of how robots are now beginning to get into the the forefront of science fiction films? Yeah, are they creeping be. in? Are we going to find now with each season that they are going to be more highly rated? Maybe. We next looked at Astro Boy and Eight Man, two Japanese manga uh, TV shows from the 1960s. Um, and we decided ultimately that we couldn't rate them, that the file on them was still open because we were only looking at, we only watched one episode, the first, the Genesis episode for both of them. And as you pointed out, they had this this much richer sort of tapestry um, than was evident in this first episode. Yeah, they carry on and they become a lot more nuanced and a lot more interesting, and they're still yeah. around. Maybe we should pick a couple of episodes from their their lifespan to look at, and then rate them. So we do have a we do end up rating Astro Boy and Eight Man. Okay. Astro Boy's quite interesting because he goes through all the iterations of, of uh, advances in technology. Um, it goes through different types of animation and then onto CGI. Yeah, that is pretty so cool, think... isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we didn't rate Astro Boy and 8-Man because we didn't feel we had enough evidence. But we did have enough evidence to rate Talos from our next film, Jason and the Argonauts, a right old massive blockbuster of a film. Um, and do you remember what rating we gave Talos? I think I, I reduced him down because he didn't have a decent enough bum. <laughs> four. <laughs> no, we gave him a five. We gave him a five for nostalgia. Because I, I think okay. that he is he is quite easily killed. And he is just so slow. I mean, he really just lumbers around, yeah. doesn't he? So I've got an apology for something I said in the Talos episode because I mentioned uh, a genre of films called Sword and Sorcery. Well, that yeah. is a genre of film, but that's not the genre I meant. The genre I meant was Sword and Sandal. Well, the most famous person who was in the Sword and Sorcery films was a guy called Steve Reeves, who was Mr. Universe. Yeah. And it really is kind of interesting to me that Steve Reeves was making all of these films. <laughs> It was in reference to Steve Reeves and all of the kind of the Greek uh, films that came out at that round about that time. Okay. Yes. Apologies. So, I do apologize. So there we go. That's all right. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of stuff bubbling around in that big old bonce of yours, haven't you? I do. It's leaking out. The <laughs> <laughs> and then our final episode of season five, our most controversial episode so far. We and Nick Crosby, who is our Doctor Who expert, we were looking at the first ever uh, sighting of the Daleks in the second sort of story cycle in Doctor Who, which was in 1963, which was called The Dead Planet. And, <laughs> and we controversially, perhaps, decided that... We? Not we? 
<laughs> you were part of it, mate. <laughs> well, I'd say that it was it was definitely like spearheaded by Nick and I, who were, were taking, we were just saying, we're just rating the robots from this episode. And in this episode, the robots are quite easily subdued. You, you yourself made the point that, at the, you know, towards the end of each sort of story arc with the Daleks, they they are they promise loads at the beginning, and then they they seem to be quite easily sort of subdued by the end. True. Witness for the <laughs> prosecution, sir. <laughs> that you said that I did, and, but I was yeah. basing my mark on on the fact that I remember it and I loved it. Yes. And that was that was the the, the point Nostalgia. at which the the rob the the uh, the Daleks were catapulted into iconic stasis. Stasis. Status. <laughs> <laughs> the Daleks were catapulted into an iconic status. Okay. Yeah, I'm not convinced of that. I don't think they were iconic immediately. That's because you you gaslit poor Nick onto yourself. Don't give He's me in. That. Don't He's in me. therapy now. <laughs> we, he, I mean, he was coming up with all sorts of stuff, wasn't he? And saying that they were no, they were no better than Dodgems because of their their power supplies they get from the floor. And he said he did that, say that. The, the extraordinary, scandalous reveal that the uh, filmmakers put tricycles inside the Daleks for <laughs> for in well, for outdoor use. They had vinyl casters indoors. And they, you, could, you could hear them when you went outside, so they had to put them on tricycles, which means that there was someone inside tricycling. <laughs> you don't... So, it, look, the, look, the Dal- poor Daleks have been rated. You don't have to convince anybody anymore. It's the deal is done. <laughs> yeah. So if you missed any of the episodes, have a listen, because there are some great films, some great robots, and some great shit robots as well in that season. Can I give no, a shout out to Oliver Corbett, who uh, allowed me to use his beautiful poster artwork for um, Jason and the Argonauts, and also yeah. the Secret Movie Club, who owned that artwork, also gave me permission to use it, as long as I told everybody that they are a secret movie club, a community of moviegoers and movie makers based in Los Angeles, and everybody is invited. Excellent. They were, lovely. they were all really lovely. Yeah, let's oh, go. Brilliant. Okay, so now looking forward to season six. Like I said, the first episode is coming up. And the first episode, we are going to be looking at... Oh, the Earth Dies Screaming. Which is a British film, which I'm very much looking forward to seeing. Because um, it looks right up my strasse. We're going to be looking at some French New Wave. Nouvelle Vague. Got Jean-Luc Godard's Alphaville, which is going to be... I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Have you seen seen that before? Yeah, I went to the pictures to see it at the Scala in in London, in King's Cross, and I got three quarters of the way through then, and recently I have bought it, and I got halfway through. And I love a bit of French New Wave. I've got very early memories of watching French films when I was a kid for some reason or other. I've don't come from a family who uh who encourages the watching of French new wave films, but I watch them. So is it a bit heavy going? Yes, it's very confused. It's, it's Goddard though, so his films he brought in this new way of 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 cutting that was completely revolutionary and Hollywood did take that up as well. 
but it uh, in this film it is all over the place now whether or not that comes together at the end we'll see we'll see uh, we're also going to be looking at another robot sex comedy uh, Dr Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine uh, we're looking at which is yeah. which, uh, has the first iteration of Fembots and we're all, we're also going to be checking out some more Doctor Who <laughs> which I'm very much yeah. looking forward to as well so those are some of the treats that we've got in store for season six. It will be dropping into your feed very, very soon. Keep an ear out for it. And until we meet again, goodbye. Goodbye. The Earth will die screaming.